It's lovely to have the opportunity to share with you from God's Word this morning, and it's lovely to be doing it in a familiar environment. You're all familiar faces. This is my uh, regular Sunday gathering, so it's really lovely to be here with you. We're now um, three weeks into the Life Goals series, so that was to be the video um, that was being shown which is God's best for us across the spectrum of human experience. So that's what this series is about. And we started um, two weeks ago, Hannah spoke to us about friendship. And last week, Rich spoke to us about marriage and dating and parenting and grandparenting. Singleness and community are all part of this series that we're going to be looking at, all core human experiences. And today we're looking at loss and the grief, the transitioning into new beginnings, into picking life up after uh, we've experienced a loss, loss of any kind. So let me say at the outset that I don't present myself as an expert on this subject. I'm not quite sure how you become an expert on the subject of loss. Although obviously there's practice and experience of working with those who have lost in all different kinds of ways. It does bring some insight. I also have personal experience of losses and transitioning into a new way of life that I didn't expect and it is really a privilege on a regular basis through my work here at Central to walk alongside others in this journey of loss. It's a very sensitive subject. The very fact that we experience loss in its personalised form and the very nature of it being loss means that it is not sought or wanted but presents itself, and we have no choice but to respond. All of these core human experiences that I mentioned early, earlier, friendship, marriage, etc., dating, all of these core human experiences are core, and most of us will experience some of them across our lifetime, but without exception, all of us will experience loss at some stage and the, the need to transition into a new phase of life as part of coming to terms with that loss. We will also all experience the loss of comforting those we know in their losses. So we have a common bond in this human experience, unavoidable, really, life experience. Whilst we commonly use the term loss when describing the finality and the impact on our lives of the death of someone close or significant, the experience of loss and the grief and transition process extends to a whole range of human experiences. A definition of loss might be when someone or something that is significant and sustaining in our lives is no longer available. When someone or something that is significant or unsustaining in our lives is no longer available. The loss of damaged relationship and friendship. 
the loss of trust, loss of identity. Who am I now that such and such has happened? Where do I fit? The loss of financial security through various circumstances. Loss of expectations or plans, hopes and dreams. Just like Clive was encouraging us to pray earlier, the things we took to the Lord that were our hopes and have been lost. These are not in any way lesser losses. They are other experiences of loss and bear the burden of pain and requirement of acceptance and transition just as surely as the loss of death does. We all experience it differently. We can never say we know how another is feeling even if we are walking a very similar path. But there are common threads that weave through the experience of loss and ultimately of acceptance and transition into a new way of life. Loss brings, first of all, an ending. What was familiar, expected, planned, safe, is gone. It cannot be retrieved. Eventually, through our individual journeys, we have to accept the ending that loss has brought. Sometimes we move into denial. I can't or won't believe this has happened. I will just plow on as if everything is normal. I've got to be strong. Life goes on. Until you learn at some stage that loss does have to be faced and grieved. Some people move up a gear and run at life. Perpetual motion offers a route to bury the grief that keeps rising. This was my own experience. Shortly after my husband's death, after the funeral and a new norm set in, it had to. I had no choice but to cope with it. A quite determined, independent coping mechanism kicked in and I ran full steam ahead at everything and quite quickly discovered that this was unsustainable. I had to face the loss, allow myself to slow down so that I could benefit from the healing and the recovery that the grieving process brings. Others pull the duvet over their heads and withdraw from functioning in day-to-day life for a period. It's just a different coping strategy. So we have there um, shock leading to anger. So we've looked at endings, at denial, shock leading often to anger. How did this happen? There is no justice or reason in this. How can I possibly recover? Where are you, God? Why did you allow this to happen when you promised to care for me? Blaming questions of God and perhaps of others that are rooted in anger. I did this too. I was angry at what felt like a rough hand had been dealt me. 
These are often early stage reactions and quite common to most of us. Stress and anxiety is often triggered because it feels as if our whole lives are completely out of control. The death or circumstantial event that has taken the bottom out of our world and we find ourselves struggling to function takes over. We are in the position of having to accept the unacceptable and it feels impossible. In the case of death or a broken relationship, feelings of abandonment arise. Skepticism or a shaking of our faith can enter. But God is faithful. The blame questions of him can hopefully in time turn to why questions. Why, Lord? Why, Lord? God can receive and respond to both blame and why questions because he knows our hearts. He knows the true me oh so much better than I do. So he understands why I am asking the questions and where they're coming from. There's no timeline for grief and for the grief process. We are all just as individual as our circumstances. But gradually a place of acceptance comes and that is the turning point that brings hope. That key word, hope, that Clive also mentioned earlier, that there will be a new beginning arising from the ending. So very broadly, that is a whistle-stop tour that outlines a basic psychology model of the grief process, the different steps that we go through. It's not linear, and each stage is not necessarily everyone's experience. But as I mentioned, it does offer some common threads. So what does God have to say about loss and suffering and change? One thing is sure, he is not contained to a psychology model because he is very deeply and relationally concerned with comforting you and me as individuals and it, particularly if we ask him, if we invite him to. And he's also engaged in his response to the prayers of others for us when we're struggling in difficult times. So we're going to see what scripture says. We're going to look at a very familiar uh, story um, that speaks of loss. And I'm going to read that to you. But I wonder if we could just pray at this point that God would presence himself and minister to us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that this human experience, like all the others, is known so well by you. You know the very movement of our heart. Lord, you know our personal circumstances. What I cannot know as I speak, you know each individual heart here. You have heard the prayers this morning of 30 or so folk 
who have given their loss, their hopes unfulfilled. You know the pain and the sorrow. And so we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you are sovereign. We, we ask that you'll help us in our why, Lord, questions to know the underpinning peace and comfort of the risen Lord Jesus. Amen. So we're going to read this morning... Um, it won't come up, I don't think. Maybe some of you have got Bibles from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 11. Very familiar story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And we're reading, first of all, verses 1 to 6, and then from verse uh, 21. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And then on to verse 21. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? So, a lot packed into that short passage. Frank Viola has written a book called God's Favourite Place on Earth. And he writes about Bethany being that place. We're told that Jesus was very close to Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And this author describes how special Bethany was to Jesus. And how dear these three friends were to him. Their home in Bethany was Jesus' safe place. Literally, his favourite place on earth. The home of these trusted friends whom he loved and who loved him. He must have so valued such a place when he had the opportunity to visit. A place where he was accepted, where he was cared for, and able to rest from time to time from the constant undercurrent of trouble and opposition that followed him on his teaching and ministry travels. Bethany is thought to be the, west, the current West Bank city of Isaiah, about a mile and a half to the east of Jerusalem. It was an accessible distance for the many friends of Lazarus to come from Jerusalem to visit his tomb. And Jesus arrived there along with others. Mary ran out to meet Jesus. And he saw her great distress. We read that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit. Which tells us the level of the sorrow he felt on seeing the suffering of Mary and Martha. Maybe he heard the question in her words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was struggling to understand why Jesus just didn't come straight away. This was effectively, why, Lord? And then the story goes on to give a very moving human detail about Jesus, so familiar, that verse 35, Jesus wept. We don't somehow think of the grief and the sorrow of the divine in the outpouring of tears. And yet that is exactly what Jesus did when he saw the suffering of his dear friends. He had already told his disciples that Lazarus would awake, would get up. His tears were not tears for Lazarus because he knew Lazarus would rise. His tears were tears of compassion for the sorrow of those that he loved. All the crowd that gathered round were watching this scene and noted, see how he loved them. They saw how Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters. And then this familiar story goes on to describe Lazarus being raised from the dead. So for us, as in the Bethany story, loss is not sought. 
It is perhaps unexpected. It's certainly disruptive, often resulting in dismay, in the dismay and brokenness that Mary and Martha experienced. This story touches in a number of ways on the human emotions we've looked at and the responses that come with loss. There was an ending. Lazarus was dead and buried. The life that the sisters knew in that safe place in Bethany completely changed. Just as we do with loss, they must have thought, how can we carry on? How can we carry on? They had to prepare his body for the tomb and wrap him from head to toe in the long strips of cloth that were his grave clothes. There's shock. Another human response. He's gone. He's really gone. This shock has a numbing effect. It traumatizes in a way and can hinder normal functioning for a season and normal thinking. And anxiety and distress. How will we cope? He was key in our household and we loved him deeply. Abandonment. Why questions? Lord, if you had been there. Now we are alone without the support and companionship of our brother. Who will care for us day by day? And this story also just is weaved throughout with the depth of Jesus' love for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It speaks of real compassion, the compassion of Jesus for the suffering of those he loves. The divine and the human Jesus was very close so as to bring comfort and strength to the suffering sisters in their loss. And he feels what you and I feel. He is concerned with the very detail of our lives. And though we may not always feel him in these times or be aware of him around he grieves and feels deep sorrow because he feels so deeply for us. He loves us so much. In this story, we are told that Lazarus needed to die so that God would be glorified and recognized by the disciples and others when Jesus raised him from the dead. It is a story of necessary suffering so that good would emerge from it, that God would be glorified. It's very similar to what happened at Gethsemane. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow for the suffering that was ahead for him and for those who loved him. But he also knew that ultimately God would be glorified. For those who trust in God, there is great hope and comfort 
that through him strengthening us in our loss, we will grow, we will change. It does reshape and he will be glorified. Oh yes, there will undoubtedly be tears and days of sorrow that return. But loss and suffering along with surrender are used of God for our good, for his glory. And he enables transition. He enables us to move into new beginnings. It does take time to get perspective through the rear view mirror of our lives. To look at the road travelled. We are in our humanity hardwired for process rather than quick fixes. We need time to absorb loss and to learn to accept what at the outset seems unacceptable. In today's world of instant everything is really quite countercultural to engage in process because we're looking for quick answers. But in loss, we are not connected to current trend. We are engaging with the core emotions that make us human. God made us in our humanity and he has and he always will be ready to walk with us through the sorrows because he really does understand these human emotions. He designed them. So he really does understand. These are not just words that we're so familiar with we can hardly sometimes absorb them deeper. He really does understand. So I encourage you this week to take time to look through the rear view mirror of your lives and reflect on your experience of loss, the loss of someone close or of an unwanted, significant, life-changing event that had to be recognized as loss and grieved in that way. The rear view mirror gives us the road travelled. We can look back, we get better vision looking out the back at where we've been and seeing how God has walked with us and uh, alongside us, has reshaped us, has brought us to where we are today. And maybe your, current, your experience of, of loss is current, very recent, very present very difficult circumstances or the loss of somebody you love. He's in this too. As we've said, maybe we don't always feel it, but he is. He's in it. He knows. Just as he did with Mary and Martha. So using the story, perhaps in your reflections this week, using the story of Mary and Martha, what human grief responses do you recognize you experienced?
How did you come to a place of acceptance? Or how might you, if you're in the process of change at the moment? Where was God in this process with you and for you? Can you recall the times where he really was close? And can you recall the times where you struggled to know if he was there at all? And what was the result of the transition that you had to make? A new beginning, a starting again. What was the result? How have you been reshaped? So these are some reflection points to take time it's a familiar story that you know so well and it's a human experience that you have or will if you've not yet encounter. And to really reflect, I urge you to reflect on the presence of God in the experience of loss and transition. He's very present. He's present here. He knows, he knows each one's hearts. And that's a great thing. It's a great blessing that we have such a personal God who is so entirely engaged with the detail of your life and of mine. So if after the service today, we're going to finish now, if after the service today it would be helpful to pray with somebody, then Clive will be here or I'll be here. Pray with one another. This is a core human experience that may have touched your heart. Don't be afraid to share with another. Don't leave with the weight and the burden of pain. Because the promise is true today as it was when it was written. Jesus' promise is never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So let's pray with these words in our minds. Lord, thank you so much for the hope that we have in Jesus. I pray this day that you would just minister to each one of our hearts because we remember that you know us individually oh so much better than we know ourselves. So come Lord Jesus, presence yourself throughout this day with us as we reflect, as we walk with you in all that comes across the busyness of our day to day. We pray that you would be present and that you would inspire hope, the hope of the risen Lord Jesus in our lives. Amen.